Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. In the previous program, I made mention of a precious young woman who was raped and murdered in the great state of Iowa. Now, the prevalence of instances of this in a short period of time that I've referenced there with regard to Iowa, that's not a reflection on Iowa. This could be any state in the Union, from Hawaii to Alaska to Washington State, California, Texas, Florida, Maine, Illinois. (laughs) It doesn't matter. There is no... Shangri-La. There is no safe, secure place in this nation or in this world. This woman, Celia Barkin Arozomena, who was a student at Iowa State University, was an outstanding student. She had completed a stellar collegiate golf, they say career. I hate the term, the use of the term career with regard to collegiate athletics. She was the 2018 Big 12 champion and Iowa State Female Athlete of the Year. In addition to that, she was finishing her civil engineering degree this semester. She's from Spain, from Puente San Miguel, Spain. And she was golfing at a golf course near the campus, broad daylight near the campus. And she was attacked by this vicious, ruthless, thrill-seeking destroyer, hell-bent on attacking, raping, murdering a young woman, any attractive young woman, for the thrill of doing it, for the bloodlust of doing it, just like in the horror movies. And she happened to be, as they say, in the wrong place at the wrong time because he and some others chose to set up camp. These homeless drifters set up camp near the golf course. So this exceedingly talented, exceedingly intelligent, accomplished, outstanding young woman who was loved by all her teammates and friends and was an outstanding representative of Iowa State University, was slaughtered. Her body was found some distance from her golf bag with several stab wounds to her upper torso, her head, and neck. 
stabbed in the head, stabbed in the neck, stabbed in the upper torso, repeatedly, by this cold-blooded, vicious destroyer, just hell-bent on destroying. And you can come up with whatever you know, theories you care to posit on that as far as why he had to do this. What drove him to do this? What was it that she did that caused him to do this? And other such abominable commentary. This woman was innocent. Now, I'm sure that of however many people will ever hear this program, that many will undoubtedly have no faith in God, no belief in the Bible, limited belief, and so on and so forth, or certainly limited in belief in in what I say, (laughs) the Word of God means and says and so forth. But with regard to these vicious monstrous, brutal, heinous attacks that target the young and typically girls and young women and young mothers. It's spoken of in the Bible, and it pertains to the unjustness, the injustice the abomination, the corruption, the depravity of the nations. That that brings this about and that it falls upon innocent people. It's mentioned over and over and over again. And the bad news is that this nation, contrary to what Ronald Reagan, who is my favorite president of modern times, contrary to what he believed and said, contrary to what all of the demagogic pandering hacks say, not that they believe, but say, the best years are not ahead for this nation. Every single solitary year, forgetting the economic figures and whatever is coming out, every year, the condition in this nation degrades, becomes more degenerate, more depraved, more wicked, more abominable, more absolutely repugnant and repulsive to God. And as a result... Without God laying a hand, there is a cause and effect relationship of monstrous bloodshed that is wrought, of monstrous suffering, not merely death for these people, but monstrous, vicious, torturous, murderous attacks. And their attackers if they are ever prosecuted for the crimes they've actually committed as compared to the ones that they plead down to, that the prosecutors settle for, and so on and so forth, if they ever are actually 
convicted, caught, prosecuted, convicted of the crimes that they have in fact committed, the chance of them ever being executed is slim as can be. And then, of course, it must be painless. And it must be after, oh, I don't know, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years. So there is zero deterrent value in terms of setting an example for any other destroyers out there. Anything that could possibly give them pause as to whether they should proceed. Every single solitary instance like this, and I'm not saying every killing, every vicious, sadistic rape, murder, kidnap, rape, murder demands execution. According to God's word, (laughs) it's a much bigger net that you cast than that, that is deserving of and requiring and demanding death penalty and swiftly. But, of course, we know better. We are so advanced. We are so humane. We are so sensitive. And we know best. Now, every nation, every single solitary nation, has the prerogative to create their own laws and enforce them or not enforce them, abide by them or not abide by them. Absolutely. And the beauty of it is that the nations themselves, the political institutions, they don't come under judgment from God. But the people beneath them do. The people involved in them do. The people that are creating these laws, passing this legislation, subverting, corrupting, undermining, degrading, perverting the laws, and justice. They will, but they won't be punished anywhere near sufficiently for the monstrous suffering they have caused. They just won't. Any more than these destroyers will. It's unfortunate. As for those who imagine... uh, who are in denial and who, who comfort themselves with the notion that after this life there is nothing more. You know, that if they are suffering embarrassment or humiliation or loneliness or dejection or whatever it happens to be, if they just kill themselves, everything will be better. Everything will be fine. They are deluding themselves. They're believing a lie. And unfortunately, there are Pied Pipers out there that are encouraging many to believe such things. But for those who believe, apart from that, those who believe, again, there's nothing after this life. When you pass from this life, there is nothing afterwards. 
they are choosing to believe in an absolutely eternally unjust universe. They're choosing to believe that the destroyers win and that the destroyed lose, and that's the way it is. And there is no justice, there is no retribution, there is no vengeance, (laughs) and on it goes. And there is no hope for those who are destroyed. That is a very, very unenlightened, foolish, blind, ignorant, dare I say stupid, perspective to hold. And yet a great many proudly do. But the great state of Iowa, I mentioned in the previous program about this other young woman, who suffered the same kind of fate, and I'm not a believer in fate, but I use that term, all the way back in 1971. But before I recap what happened to her, let me just go back to this particular case of the vicious destruction, torturous destruction of this outstanding young woman from Spain, Celia Barkin Arazomena. This monster who destroyed her, these fellows that he was hanging out with, he happened to tell one that he had an urge to rape and murder a woman. They did nothing about it. Now, I'm not going to go so far as to say, well, then that person is equally as guilty as him. There are those who will say that. Equally as guilty. No, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say he's equally as guilty. But he's guilty. He or she is guilty. And they too should get the death penalty. Oh dear, what a terrible thing to say. Well, no, they are an accessory, not after the fact, before the fact. An enabler. Oh, but my gosh, how can you say something like that? Well, it just happens to be the case. They cost this woman her life. That individual, that destroyer is the one who did it. They allowed it. They permitted it. It's a little bit similar, a little bit akin to the case that I've mentioned before, and I don't have the names or whatever, but do you remember? Because I have referenced it before. Some time back, I don't, time passes, I'm not sure how long it's been now. It could have been three, four years ago, or it could have been more recent. But there was this attempted terrorist attack on one of these bullet trains in France. And there were three American men. I'm not sure if they were all servicemen or former servicemen, but I know that bare minimum of one was, and I think they all were. But this Islamist terrorist attempted to commit a mass murder on that train. And these three Americans stopped it. And there's been a movie made about it. And if I had seen that movie, I would know better, wouldn't I? Well, there you go. 
depending on how faithful to the facts it is. But one of those young men had attended this college, or I believe community college, in Oregon, and I believe southern Oregon. And there was a destroyer who committed mass murder at that college after that attack, sometime after that attack on the train in France. And there was a student there who was a fellow, a man, you know, in his 20s. And he had a concealed carry permit and was carrying a firearm. Now, that's highly unusual because college campuses across this nation almost invariably forbid anyone except for police officers, security guards, to have firearms. They're Bolton, you know, firearm-free campus, which is, of course, an invitation for these cowardly, monstrous, murderous destroyers. Fair pickings, you know. Being able to prey upon the helpless, the unarmed. It's too bad that that woman golfer didn't see this guy coming, didn't see the knife, and didn't use one of her golf clubs on him. Seriously. But I'm sure she could have done him some serious damage and escaped, survived. But... How can anyone imagine such a thing? How can anyone think of such a thing? So that even if she did see him, to imagine that something like that was going to happen. But anyway, this mass murder at this college in Oregon, this fellow had a concealed carry permit, had a firearm. He made the decision, the calculated decision, not to act not to intervene because he was afraid that police arriving afterwards would take him for being the attacker and would shoot him. I've got news for you. <laughs> That's something you need to consider well before that incident and come to terms with it because if you are carrying concealed or you are carrying openly a firearm and you have cartridges for it and it's loaded or you're in one of those states where you can't have it loaded, but you can load it, <laughs> given enough time, you can load it, and you choose not to act to defend these other people, no, you are not cold-bloodedly or hot-bloodedly destroying them, but you're permitting it, you're allowing it, you're an accessory to the slaughter, to the murder. Even if you're not prosecuted, you are an accessory, and you will be held accountable. Chances are. But back to Iowa. No, Iowa's no worse than any other state out there. Okay? But it has had these two 
very high-profile instances of precious young college women, used to be referred to as co-eds, being systematically hunted down and raped and murdered in a very short span of time, in very close time proximity. And then again, this case, this cautionary tale going back to 1971. This young woman, a dear young woman, a loving girl, wonderful girl, but very headstrong, as some would say, strong-willed. You know, we use these euphemisms, right? Instead of being stubborn and willful and prideful and rebellious, no, strong-willed, you know. So then the, then those who are not that way are weak-willed, <laughs> you know. Oh, well. So let's call things what they're not, you know, and uh, build up big followings by doing so, especially in Christian circles, but... I digress. So this girl, Maureen Brubaker Farley, was very outgoing and really friendly with everybody. And she fell for this young man. They were both teenagers. She insisted on them getting married. And then, very shortly after that, he gets arrested Charged, prosecuted, convicted, put in the pen. And she follows him to Cedar Rapids, I believe. And immediately gets a job in a restaurant. She's very good employee. She's always at work, never misses work. She rents a room, but she's there so she can visit him, comfort him, so on and so forth. And lo and behold, she gets attacked by some vicious destroyer and her body is dumped somewhere before she dies. And her body is found by a couple boys. And this all, this span of time is a week from the time that she's taken to the time that she's found. And here we are in 1971. No one's ever been charged for this crime. If you think that's just, well, once in a blue moon, that's just a, you know, almost never happens. No, it's a microcosm of a huge problem. But another case, another cold case. This fellow... Oscar Lozado, 43. He was just arrested in Mexico. He moved there a year ago. He took his daughter with him. He's been charged with second-degree murder, not first-degree. You know, we have all of these extremely nice, sophisticated differentiations that are not recognized in you know, a historic document like the Bible, but second-degree murder, even though he systematically, cold-bloodedly disposed of his wife's body after he murdered her, and her body's never been found, she, like 
Celia, the golfer, this woman was Belgium-born. Celia from Spain, from Europe. These women from Europe. And lo and behold, this attacker, Hispanic-Latino-like, the destroyer who slaughtered Molly Cecilia Tibbetts. But this woman, Belgium-born, she was a French and Spanish teacher in Louisiana. She disappeared way back in 2011. And her hubby slaughtered her. And he fled to Venezuela, 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 with their four-year-old daughter, four days afterwards. But now he was arrested in Mexico. He moved there a year ago from Venezuela. He should have stayed in Venezuela. Charged with second-degree murder. Such a good guy. Real upstanding type. So, let's go back to something that I've discussed earlier, but which I failed to mention something that I actually was going to feature, the numero uno thing I was going to feature on a program two programs ago. And what derailed me from doing so was that this dear little girl's body was found in the meantime, and... (laughs) Uh, So I failed to mention this. But this precious girl, Ashley Johnson Barr, 10 years of age, 100 pounds, 4 foot 9. So almost woman size for a modest woman. I have mentioned when I have recommended self-defense courses to young women, teenage girls, young women, young mothers, so forth, I have... Time and again, I've referenced that you know the demographics here, as far as what age group is particularly preyed upon, it's anywhere typically from 10 years of age, can be 9, can be younger, but typically 10 years of age on up to 30-something. And it depends absolutely, positively depends on appearance. Contrary to what all of those others insist, appearance has nothing to do with it. Okay, in one out of 10,000 cases, it has nothing to do with it. But if it is a woman that is particularly youthful and stays looking very youthful, even though she's 50 years of age, (laughs) okay, then... Maybe she falls into this group. And meanwhile, if a young woman is 25 and looks years older and so on and so forth, maybe she doesn't. But it's a, a net, a broad net that is cast. And this little girl was at the earliest end of that spectrum. Ashley Johnson Barr. Precious girl in this small community, not tiny, Not like Leggett, North Carolina, where the mayor and his wife were slaughtered, 55 people. No, this is 3,100 people, even though it's north of the Arctic Circle. 
But this precious girl in this Inupiat Eskimo town, they call it a town, but it's 3,100 people. Many other places they call that a city. (laughs) The state that I'm currently in, that would be a city, not a town. But she had just been out playing at the park with her friends when she went home. And her phone, her cell phone, a 10-year-old with a cell phone, I am so out of the times, behind the times, but it was found a half mile from Rainbow Park in the opposite direction of her home. So what should have happened immediately? What should have taken place? Not what did, what should have taken place? Well, not what did, (laughs) This was September 6th, and not to pick on him overly much, but I do need to, (laughs) Lieutenant David Hansen, he said the following, that the probe is also looking at whether a crime might have been involved. Might. Alaska State Troopers. Quote, we are confident that someone in this community knows what happened to Ashley and needs to come forward and share that information with us, end quote. Oh, so we're confident that someone is responsible for her disappearance and or saw her taken, kidnapped. But we're not sure whether a crime was committed. Not sure whether kidnapping this 10-year-old girl is a crime. Fascinating law enforcement. What should have taken place? On September 6th, when they discovered this little girl was missing, what should have taken place? What should take place in every single solitary instance like this, whether it is a 10-year-old girl, a 17-year-old girl, a 28-year-old woman, what should take place? If it's not in a New York City, if it is in a limited, modest-sized community, what should take place? I'm going to recommend something terribly unthinkable and unimaginable and unconscionable and unconstitutional and police state nightmarish, and that is house-to-house search. Because whatever rights you or I have not to have the stormtroopers come into our dwellings is overridden by the desperate need to save this little girl or this young woman, or this young mother. It is overridden by that. Now, you wind up with a case, oh, it's in Manhattan, New York, not Manhattan, Kansas. Still, still do a house-to-house search for, you know, a few square blocks. It probably is futile. And, of course, in many instances, it will be too late. But I remember the case of this very precious little girl. I don't recall whether she was four years old, five years old, six years old. She was kidnapped out of her parents' mobile home down in Florida, I believe, by this destroyer who drug her off to his mobile home 
which was practically next door. He was a couple mobile homes away. And all the search went on, and you've seen the pictures. The people link arms or hands, or they're a little bit further from each other than that, and they go through the weeds, and they're, you know, with a stick moving the leaves and all of this nonsense. And that went on for days. Well, anyway, they eventually found the little girl buried who had been alive. He had not murdered her immediately. He raped her and so forth, brutalized her. He did not murder her immediately. But while all this nonsensical police work, search and rescue work was going on, he found time to murder her and bury her near his home, right outside his home, with her favorite stuffed toy, stuffed animal. Absolutely monstrous. That kind of thing happens all the time. No, it's just once in a blue moon. No, it's all the time. The police work, what is done is so ineffectual and incompetent and stupid. It is shameful and disgraceful. But, of course, we could never have that. This little girl was probably alive. But no, we can't have house-to-house searches. Oh, we don't have the manpower for that. This town of 3,100, they brought in 17 FBI agents. They had the state troopers. You're going to tell me they couldn't have done that? Really? It might have turned out to be too late. But that doesn't mean it couldn't be done. But it's never, ever ever done. I've never once heard of it being done. Oh, no, it would just violate our constitutional rights, you know, to be safe from unreasonable search and seizure. But meanwhile, every single solitary, innocent, preborn human being is denied its constitutional right to be absolutely safe from unreasonable search and seizure and destruction in its mother's womb. The only ones that wind up being spared such destruction are those whose mothers and or mothers and fathers do not choose to avail themselves of this absolute right to premeditatedly, torturously slaughter the preborn innocents within the sanctity of their mother's wombs. But anyway, one of these days, someday in the not distant future, truly in the not distant future, we will have house-to-house searches, but not not to rescue girls and young women and young mothers that have been kidnapped, spirited away, are enslaved, are being raped and trafficked and kept as sex slaves and on the verge of being murdered and being torturously, monstrously abused in every way. No, it will be for 
all mankind, or it will be for a certain target demographic of mankind, like all of the Christians or all of the fundamental Christians or whatever. Just ask Hillary about that. You know, if you read the Bible regularly, if you pray to God, if you believe the Bible, then you're a fanatic, a religious fanatic in Hillary's book. But, you know, Hillary is a dear, dear woman who always has the children's welfare and the women's rights first and foremost in her thoughts. And who knows, we may be granted the opportunity to elect her to the office that she desperately aspires to. But you know what? If she doesn't get the presidency, there's always the secretary generalship of the U.N. But Ashley Johnson Barr, oh, all that manpower, all those state troopers, well-meaning state troopers, all of those FBI agents, they show up and they do what? (laughs) This is so, so, so frequently the case not with regard to FBI agents being called out because they routinely are not. And as as I have said before, every single instance like this, the FBI should be on it immediately. They should be airlifted to the site immediately. Every kidnapping, stranger kidnapping of a child, of a girl, of a young woman, of a young mother, Bang! The FBI should be on it, should be called in. But when you have a president who thinks that males should be included in female beauty pageants, then I don't think the odds are too high uh, that we will have that happening anytime soon. And yes, I am referring to the incumbent. Now, in the not the previous program, but the program before that, I talked about the release of Wanda Barzi, co-kidnapper of Elizabeth Smart, back in 2003. She was the wife or unofficial wife or whatever of this destroyer who kidnapped Elizabeth Smart, but she enabled it. She facilitated it, and she, according to Elizabeth Smart, was at least as heavily involved in her mistreatment as was Brian David Mitchell. She was the one, the cheerleader, egging him on to rape Elizabeth Smart, 14-year-old girl who had not even entered pubescence yet and whom they plied with alcohol and caused her to vomit and pass out repeatedly. And he repeatedly raped her every day that she was enslaved by them for nine months or whatever. And she said concerning that woman, as far as why she is concerned about her being released, 
I know what she was capable of before she was incarcerated. And guess what, folks? Destroyers don't change magically due to incarceration. Doesn't happen. Oh, yes, you'll hear about, oh, somebody supposedly has found Jesus, you know, whatever. The destroyers stay destroyers. Now, does that mean that you don't have any cases of somebody who has been involved in an armed robbery or something, and they happen to be with somebody else, somebody who murders somebody, and so then they end up going to prison, and they end up having a conversion experience. It happens. But these cold-blooded, murderous destroyers are just that. And Elizabeth Smart said, I know just how bad she really can be. She would encourage him to rape me. She would sit right next to me, like the side of her body would be touching me. And she went on. And that's while he's raping her. And they both laughed. She laughed. She laughed just as much as he did, if not more. This is this dear, grandmotherly woman who had to be released because, oh, it just would be wrong to keep her incarcerated. Mm -hmm. Justice is something that doesn't exist in the United States of America. But not the injustice that these, like Colin Kaepernick, <laughs> refer to. If you want to find where people of color, you know, excluding Hispanic and Latino people, excluding all of the Middle Eastern peoples, excluding the Indian Indians and Pakistanis and Bangladeshians and all of these people, all of those people of color and the Samoans and all, no, forget all those, just the African American people of color because they are they are the only ones who get to use that term because because of this crazy perverted US of A but anyway if you want to find somewhere in this world where blacks and browns are slaughtered massacred maimed and mutilated torturously kidnapped, raped, enslaved, and just monstrously brutalized, crucified, and have their limbs amputated and used in, in processions and so forth. You need to go to Africa, Colin. You need to go to Africa, dear one. You wonderfully non-hypocritical, intelligent, enlightened American, extremely light-colored black man who's so concerned about justice and injustice. Complete, utter, phony, sham, hypocrite. But Nike, that leftist giant of sports apparel, which has pushed and promoted the agenda of the left forever since its inception, of course, signs him to a multi-multi-million dollar deal, multi-year endorsement deal. 
with his own clothing line. And you know what? Yes, oh, I know. He, he won his case. You know, his lawyers won the case for him there. Only because we have such a corrupt, unjust nation. But guess what? He opted out of his contract. He opted out of his contract with the San Francisco 49ers. In 2017, he opted out. He opted not to play. And then we go and we make him a cause celeb hero. Wonderful. Just wonderful. Magnificent. Here in this perverse mess that this nation has become. Meanwhile, on that theme, perhaps you saw about this controversial ad in Massachusetts, in Sturbridge, Massachusetts, there is a family jewelry store that has been going for a while now, and it's tremendous. And the owner of it, he is a kick. He is Scott Jerry or something like that. I'm probably mispronouncing it. But Anyway, it reminds me of the ads that I enjoyed so much, which were for a jewelry store in another state, on the other side of the country, out in Washington State, in central Washington State. And the fellow who was in charge, it was the owner, he was in charge of the ads, and they were terrific. They were wonderful, heartwarming, delightful ads. So too here. So, oh no, this billboard, it shows... The owner's daughter being proposed to by her husband-to-be. And and what is the setting? It's on a football field, folks. And it says, if you're going to take a knee this season, please have a ring in your hand. Oh, how terribly controversial. How controversial can you be? How racist. How terrible that is, right? Right? Really? That's what this nation has sunk to, to call that, to vilify that and call that something like that. That's how stupid and shameful and disgraceful this nation has become to vilify an ad like that. Please have a ring in your hand. Oh, oh my gosh, he's doing something terrible. So what is the result? The initial response was overwhelmingly in favor of it, overwhelmingly positive. But then, one of our best and brightest, you know, you know the type, uh, a Colin Kaepernick-ish, you know, just like Colin. This driver pulled over on the Charlton, Massachusetts road, snapped a photo, posted it to Facebook, accusing the ad of being racist. So what's happened since then? Death threats against this man, his daughter, his family. That's right. Here in the United States of America, the land of the free, the home of the brave. That's right. One person wrote, 
And this man's daughter's name is Alexandria. One person wrote, quote, Alexandria, why don't you just kill yourself? End quote. Well, that's appropriate. I'm sure that I'm just not understanding it in the sense that it was intended. You know, it undoubtedly really wasn't mean to sound as harsh as that. Undoubtedly. Yeah. But as the owner says, we're a country store. We just try to do advertising in a way that's affordable and brings in traffic. And that he aims to create humor-filled billboards. So another provocative billboard. Oh my gosh, as provocative as that one. It showed a diamond engagement ring beside the words, quote, make her speechless or change, end quote. Oh, how provocative. And last year's ad led to criticism and accusations that this owner was sexist. Interestingly enough, though, the ad was one that Alexandria came up with. But this nation has lost its way, to put it gently. This fellow, perhaps you saw something about him, a very rich man, L. Brands CEO. L as in the letter L. Or as in his name, Leslie. You know, the British uh, man's name, Leslie. Leslie Wexner. He decided I'm not a Republican anymore. He's quitting. He's fed up. But here's what really got me. He referred to Barack Obama. Barack Obama visited the great state of Ohio. And Leslie Wexner said of this former president, Obama's visit to Ohio this week was a great moment for the community. I was struck by the genuineness of the man, his candor, his humility and empathy for others. Yes, this billionaire, this is the kind of people that have the big bucks. So now he's not going to support the Republicans. So what? (laughs) I don't care. But again, time and again, this is a case of the Republicans being the stupid party, I might add. But these people like Bloomberg and Wexner and so forth uh, wind up with this vast wealth And they don't have any better sense than that. Amazing. Um, Let's see what I have time for here. Well, let's move on to the president. I just can't help myself. Uh, In case you missed it, uh, our president is continuing his charm offensive, his romance, if you will, his bromance. I'm sorry, pardon me. His bromance with Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-un, and uh, Trump, yes, he he tweeted out uh, that uh, just oozing with with accolades for Kim Jong-un about sending him an encouraging letter. And then he had uh, the press 
secretary there at the White House, announced the following, that in response to the very warm, very positive note from Kim, that he was now ordering his staff to plan for a second Trump-Kim summit meeting. Quote, Thank you to Chairman Kim. We will both prove everyone wrong, end quote. Chairman Kim. Now, first of all, with regard to Chairman Mao, Mao Zedong or Mao Zedong, however you prefer it, he was as vicious and ruthless and monstrous a mass murderer as there has ever been. But that being said, to elevate Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-un, to that stature is pathetic, to say the least. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.